Hello, Alfonso Bergen here. You're about to listen to the Talk and Pop with the Franchise and Vico. You can catch up on past episodes on Podbean and also on Spotify. Now let's get on with the show. Geeks, Utakus, fanboys, fangirls, geeks everywhere. Welcome to episode 20 of Talking Pop with the Franchise and Biko. This is basically a podcast where we discuss anything in the world of pop culture and give you guys our opinions, you know, relationships with to it and uh, whatsoever. As always, I am the Franchise, and today joining me, not Biko, who's actually at work right now, is Armando. Welcome back, Armando. Hello. Welcome back to the show. Good to be here. Yeah, it's been a while, guys. It's been a while since I've been on. It's like, I think the last episode, it was like in back in November, where I think me and Miko discussed, you know, Stan Lee's passing and how, you know, his work impacted our lives. And it's been, you know, interesting. You know, winter pretty much sucks out here. Of course, uh, we live in the Midwest, so we had to deal with that whole polar vortex a few weeks ago. And then, you know... All the stuff like, you know, sports related and all that stuff. Of course, if you, I'm a Bears fan, so I had to deal with that. And, you know, try to find time to get back and record again. Get back in, you know, in the habit of things. Of course, um, pretty much, uh, if you guys saw the Grammys last night, um, they showed the teaser for Aladdin. And people were discussing, oh, is the genie going to be blue? And apparently, they did like a 58-second TV spot. And even Will Smith, like, even posted on his Facebook saying, you know... Hey, I'm blue, and finally it did happen. We actually saw, you know, Genie Blue. So it's like, okay, it's confirmed that he is going to be blue. So it was interesting, you know. And also, too, of course, we got Marvel. You saw the Super Bowl. We got the Marvel Studios released the Super Bowl trailer for Avengers Infinity War. Pretty much, you know, they had Captain America doing the narration, you know, showing what's going on, basically. You know, people are coping with everyone that got dusted by Thanos and pretty much, you know, what they're up to, like trying to get everybody back. It was like, what, like, I mean, like a minute, minute and a half, I think it was, but... Yeah, very short. It was, like, really short, and pretty much, you know, I'm excited, you know, we're, what, two months away? Yeah, I want to say we're hitting uh, Captain Marvel's first, if I remember correctly, and then maybe a month later, you go right into Endgame, so I'm assuming that we're going to have, if not a cliffhanger ending for Captain Marvel, I'm thinking they're going to kind of, you know, like, to just to, like, set it. They're just going to pop the ball up in the air, and they're going to leave it dangling some way that when, you know, Captain Marvel appears, we're going to get some sort of answer to a question that's going to be posited in Captain Marvel in Endgame. I'm going to assume there's no way you can watch Endgame without seeing Captain Marvel. No. No, because I think what's going to happen with Captain Marvel is, yeah, it's going to be her origin story. I mean, they're probably going to have, like, you know, flashbacks. But I'm just theorizing here is what's going to happen probably during mid-credits or even after credits. It's probably going to show what she's up to around the time, you know, when Thanos hit the snap. So it's probably going to be like, you know, maybe she gets the page. Because if you remember in Infinity War, Nick Fury sent that pager out and it showed, you know, Captain Marvel's logo. Yeah, and, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, 
I actually, I don't know how many, much people are familiar with uh, Carol Danvers and her huge history, but, you know, if I'm remembering correctly, she started out as an X-Men character. She has a long history with the X-Men. Um, she has a long history in space. Before she became Captain Marvel, she was a war, or pardon me, a binary, hmm. cosmically powered character who interacted with the X-Men um, after spending time with them, became binary, uh, and had then spent time in space with some X-Men related characters called the Starjammers. Very familiar uh, feel to the Guardians of the Galaxy type group. So maybe we'll see a little bit of uh, a setup on what might be happening with Guardians 3 or maybe even another space franchise from uh, Marvel. It would be an interesting way to kind of start pushing us back into space after spending a long time on Earth again and maybe developing that channel for Marvel a little bit more. Yeah, speaking of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, you know, it, it's been confirmed, like Chris Peck confirmed that they are going to use James Gunn's script. But, of course, you know, so far they still haven't, you know, found a director yet to play so much to me. You know, they should have brought him back. But, of course, it's like this whole, the way society is right now, like, you know, pretty much it's hard to say stuff on social media now or people try to, like, you know, if you rub people the wrong way, they'll try to dig up, you know, past, you know, things you've done in the past. Even though, you know, James got to apologize for all the comments he made that was like 10 years ago. And Hunt the Lion, of course, Disney being, you know, you know, they have to save face, you know, the family company, you know, they had to, you know, say, I'm sorry, we're going to have to, like, turn our agreement. But I'm just glad the fact they're going to keep the same script. Because I think, too, because they were going to lose a lot of actors, because a lot of actors were playing to walk out if they were not going to use James Gunn's script. Because at least give him, like, a writing credit. I know they approached um, the director of Thor Ragnarok if he wants to do it, but he said, according to this, he said, it's James' movie. I'm not going to do it. Yeah, I think uh, a couple things there. You know, number one, he did apologize before he started on uh, Guardians 1, if I remember correctly. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so he apologized. He explained it. Um, from what I have read of, uh, of his words, it seems like a, a reasonable explanation, um, an apology. Obviously, there's a lot of debate, even right now, with what's happening in, uh, for the Democrats of Virginia right now on like how much you hold people accountable for things that they said or did many years ago and how you accommodate for somebody's you know, growing as a person mm-hmm. and learning from things that they did when they were younger. Um, maybe they were more reckless or even just more ignorant, to be blunt. Um, so I think, you know, the James Gunn case is a lot like the Al Franken case in the Senate. Zero tolerance knocked yeah. him out. He definitely, you know, Gunn did say stuff that was unacceptable now, mm-hmm. but he apologized. Um, I'm thinking, you know, Disney's going to have to be careful because... You know, obviously their core brand is being family friendly, but now that they own so much, they're going to have things like Deadpool, where apparently, yeah, you know, like the franchise, the character isn't a hundred percent in their lane of family friendly material. And are they going to be faithful to that character, that franchise in of itself, and just make the understanding that? We cannot hold everything to this Disney lane of, you know, pure white, vanilla, everything. And some things that are going to come out of the Fox channel, some things that are going to come out of Star Wars, perhaps, Mm -hmm. um, you know, or like Marvel. Like, it's not going to be 
exactly what would you know you do on a film festival with other Disney movies. Yeah. So maybe in the future they're going to look at this and say, "Hey, we jumped, you know, we jumped the gun on uh, James Gunn. Uh, we can't do this to every person, every actor, every director, every writer that has done something." questionable if they seem to be making sincere amends. Yeah. So hopefully, um, I mean, James Gunn certainly did a great job bringing these obscure characters to the big screen, making people care about them that never would have cared about them. Um, I think it's probably very important that his voice, his, like, you know, blueprint at least. It's, it's is being used, used, yeah. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, good luck to them finding another director. I think the other directors are going to kind of circle their wagons and whoever takes over for uh, Guardians 3 is going to get a little bit of heat for just the choice of taking it. But it's like, you know, they already pushed back the production to, what, 2020 now? The next year, basically, now? Yep. And, you know, and that and speaking of Deadpool, I mean, I think Bob Ear was at a recent um, conference and they asked because the whole question is now X-Force and possible Deadpool 2, are those going to be, you know, toned down? But apparently Bob like what Bob Eager said, the CEO of Disney said that we're going to keep Deadpool the way he is. Like, they saw how successful those movies are, are being at Radar, and they're probably going to do is, when they get Fox, they're probably going to have, you know, Fox would be a division of Disney, like, you know, how Universal Division of Comcast. I'm saying they're probably going to still use the Fox, you know, name, mm-hmm. possibly, or, you know, make a division, you know, something, like, underline, but they said that Deadpool, like, when it, it, they are going to work on X-Force and Deadpool, because I know Ryan Reynolds said they are doing preliminary right now, um, that they're willing that Bobby Susie how successful those movies were for being radar, that they're gonna let it go. Like the let it the way it is. Well Venom was rated R too, wasn't it? No, Venom was PG thirteen. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, remember that's Sony. They they own that. But um no, they said like he said that it, the way they were success, successful, um then like they're gonna leave it the way it is. So hopefully well, with X Force and then, you know, Deadpool three, if those go on, they're gonna keep them as radar. And of course there have been talks of uh black like it's been confirmed that they're gonna do a Black Widow movie it's going to be rated R. Mm-hmm. They did say that. It's going to be like the first Marvel Studios rated R film. Mm-hmm. Which is great. Uh, you know, a couple things there. Number one, if they let a property like Deadpool flourish in its natural environment, that lets them set other movies, you know, again, in that like channel or in that lane. So you've got other Marvel properties that would benefit from being given that freedom and you know that's what branding's about so you've got disney again like i don't want to take you know a a little kid into a a disney branded movie even a marvel one for the most part and see some of the stuff i'm going to see in deadpool i'm going to feel a little bit like i was missold Mm -hmm. the other hand like yeah let's say they brand it as uh you know from fox studios have the marvel label on there so you know it's a marvel ip I'm going to know, hey, maybe I can take a, you know, a 10-year-old into a Marvel movie, but I'm going to wait to take a 14 or 15-year-old into a Fox Marvel movie. That's a clear choice. I yeah. can decide, yeah. you know, that. So, like, you're going to, you, they want to do it, let's say they decide to do a Punisher movie. Mm-hmm. Like, all the other things about Punisher aside, you can't do a, <laughs> you can't you can't do that great of a, of a, you know, vanilla Disney Punisher movie 
I think that's probably why they, when they decided to do a Punisher series on Netflix. I mean, with Netflix, it looks like you can get away with certain things. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, is absolutely. Because, like I said, like internet rating, like all that internet content is really different when it's like on broadcast or cable. You can get away with certain things. And plus, the Punisher, I kind of like. I haven't. I only watched like a couple episodes of the first season. Sorry, guys, I'm so late. I gotta <laughs> catch up on everything. But yeah, that 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 stuff there. It's like yeah, you can't ha- you can't show this on TV. Right. You can tell like the way that democratic is for the young, like you know, on young adult, you know, older people that read the Punisher in the past that you know are used to the bloody and gritty. Like with me with Deadpool, you know, I I like Deadpool a lot because you know. It's like he's not your typical, you know, hero. He's a mercenary. You know, he's either bad or good. Like he does it for money, and he does his own thing, in which I do enjoy. And it's like, yeah, I, love it. I read his graphic novels. I read like Daniel Way's Deadpool. I read the Bible Um Jim Dugan, um, Deadpool. It's like you know, I read those. I'm like, yeah, that they kept you know his personality when Rob Lee Field and Fabian Nicancia started when Deadpool started. Like that's how he is. That's his personality. Yeah. He makes jokes. He, he destroys people, cuts people's heads off. You know, does all this crazy stuff because that's how he is. Yeah, and it's and you know that's appropriate. You know, again for like a Fox Channel or like a, a Fox offering. Yeah. You know, maybe a natural successor to that is something like a big screen Punisher movie. Now, all I would say. Maybe to backtrack slightly on my own statement, though, is I just rewatched Winter Soldier a couple days ago, mm-hmm. and that like I cannot take away from how successful those action scenes were and how suspenseful it was. And there was a lot of brutal punishment in those movie in that that film, uh, the highway chase scene, the like the fights and the Triskelion when those are being destroyed. So I could see. I guess a way to make like a Punisher movie or even a Deadpool movie and put it in sort of that Winter Soldier mode. Mm-hmm. But I still think to be truer to the characters and maybe even more successful, then you needed something like like that Fox Avenue and that freedom to do like a you know like an R rated. And if they're going to make Black Widow R rated, you know I'm assuming it's going to be for action. Maybe a little bit for like sensuality, but I don't see them going too far in that. No, I don't think um, so. But uh, you know that what a great way to give Scarlett Johansson, uh, like a reward and a recognition for how much she's lent to the universe without ever getting a headline, yeah. and then you know kind of being you know knocked aside as the first you know uh, you know Marvel female lead and not get the first movie. Out yeah. of the Marvel Studios. So, like, giving her something like, you know, the rated R opportunity would let them, I think, tell, you know, like, maybe tell a more story, like how she was story. in that, yeah, like how she got in that program. Because it's only mentioned a few times in Age of Ultron that was in, like, how she was in the program and stuff, how she cannot have kids and all that stuff. Yeah, like, there's. Based on what they did to her. It's like, it's, it gets people saying, like, people will probably want to know what happened. Mm-hmm. And basically how she came to working with Neil with Shield. Yeah, and I'm not, uh, I read a lot of spoilers because I don't purchase week to week anymore, but from what I understand, um, in the current Black Widow series, mm-hmm. they have planted story ideas in there that lend for a, a longer life of that Black Widow character and persona mm-hmm. than you might guess from what you've seen in previous comics. Certainly from what you've seen in the movies, but 
the little seeds that they've been planting in that the current run of Black Widow, which I'm trying to avoid the spoilers that I've read, but uh, it's the kind of thing that they could take a new Black Widow movie and say, here, this is what you didn't know, and it doesn't make any of the previous movie stuff false. Mm-hmm. It's just like, if you didn't know someone was left-handed, and all of a sudden you realize it. Everything else still makes sense, and is still perfectly workable, but it just like adds this layer to it. So there's, I think, a lot of a, a super, you know, wide field of potential for Black Widow. I'm, I'm uh, very excited to see that happen. Yeah, I mean, like I said, going back to um, Captain Marvel, it's like you know, I can't wait. You know, it's like it's like I said, it's like the first film with the female lead. You know, it's the first film. Like I'm more excited, and then I got excited when Black Panther came out because I remember reading about Black Panther in the past and. It was good to see he got a film. Mm-hmm. Well, and they followed suit. Um, again, full disclaimer, I can't read everything anymore, but uh, follow the the sites pretty closely. Um, but, you know, currently, Black Panther is the chairman of the X-Men, or pardon me, the X-Men, the Avengers for the first time. Hmm. Um, you know, he's always been a prominent uh, voice and a very strong individual character in the comics, you know, very much akin to Namor. Uh, as a king unto himself, yeah. who also takes you know part in the the team, but currently you know, seeing that rise in his prominence in the the cinematic universe, they've kind of echoed it in the comics where he was elected, you know, by the likes of Captain America, Thor, Iron Man, to be the chairman that they needed now. And if I recall correctly, right now the Avengers aren't even based in America. They moved it to be centered, to be based in Wakanda, because they are helping to save the world, not just America. Uh, so yeah, Black Panther certainly has had like a long history, but they've definitely leaned into how important of a like a cultural moment that was. And they won a Grammy, so. <laughs> That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and of course, uh, can't wait. They're also nominated for Best Picture right now. And it's mm-hmm. because it's like the first, you know, comic book movie actually being in that the top award. It's actually it's really interesting because they won, you know, Golden Globes for Best Cast Ensemble. It's like Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse. They won for Best Animated Feature in the Golden Globes, mm-hmm. which is really cool, too. That's a great movie also. I enjoyed that because the animation style. And, you know, it's like someone's like, how we screw with Spider-Man, you know. Get me wrong, I enjoyed the Raimi trilogy. Except for three, I enjoyed too much because it was like you mashed up too many villains on there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they tried with the Amazing Spider-Man series. Don't get me wrong, Andrew Garfield was okay. You know, he was okay as, pre- he was okay as a Spider-Man, but Peter Parker, I kind of like, lent toward Tom McGuire. Because Tom McGuire had that whole, like, Peter Parker, like he's older, more, you know, seasoned. Mm-hmm. And then now, like, I love Tom Holland. He's really good. Yeah. Because it's like, it's going back to what, you know, how Spider-Man is. He's a kid from high school. He's a high school kid. He's learning, which I do like, because he's learning to be Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And that's when I look at these films, if you think about, you know, the Raimi one, I would say that's more like the spectacular Spider-Man, so he's like more seasoned. And then, of course, you got the Garfield, which makes Spider-Man. To me, I'm looking at, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe Spider-Man being the ultimate Spider-Man. Being the fact that he's a young kid. I think it's definitely 
like lean towards more, that because I read Ultimate Spider-Man, yeah. which I do enjoy because it was like when Marvel did the whole Ultimate Universe, where it basically gave the whole universe like a reboot. Mm-hmm. So they gave everybody different origins and all that stuff. But yeah, try to, try to pay pay homage to their predecessors in the past. Yeah, I had the whole. I collected the whole original run of the Ultimates, Ultimates Two. Um, I actually didn't do that much with Ultimate Spider-Man or Ultimate X-Men, but um, what I will say is that I think the Tom Holland run is truest to their original intent of the character being younger. Um, and like the challenges that go with that and the uncertainty. Um, I think that the other thing is it, you know, they made the great to me, great choice of not retelling the origin again. Mm -hmm. And by skipping that and by also having him younger, you don't have the same criticisms that you might have of the Iron Man one to Doctor Strange, mm-hmm. where the arc of the characters is the nearly the exact same arc of arrogant, selfish, jerk, being injured or brought low, and then gradually learning... Yeah. His own potential, you know, it's like we've seen that a bunch of times and yeah. it's fine. It's a legitimate origin story and they use the same origin a bazillion times in comics. Um, but I think by making him younger, it allows them to tell a different story than the typical origin story. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm actually, uh, looking forward to Far From Home quite a bit. I've been reading a few of the spoilers, but I've been kind of seeing middle ground on those to keep a little bit of, of uh, fun in there for me. But I yeah. think Gillen, you know, uh, Hall, correct, is doing Mysterio. And wow, <laughs> the, the weirdest, not, not the weirdest, but one of the most oddball, I think, unlikely picks for the- a lead villain. Um, I think a lot of people thought that might be Craven this time. Um, but I could see them doing Craven as a third one if the, if, uh, Sony doesn't do a Craven movie. Yeah. Because I know now with Venom, yeah, they're not going to let him go. Because I guess Venom is doing so good internationally that they're not going to let go of that property. I mean, the Venom movie was okay. I mean, you know, they try to work with what they can without you mentioning Spider-Man or anything like that. They try to work as much as they can, you know. Basically, they try to make Venom like an anti-hero. So it's more almost toward, leaning towards the Agent Venom type thing, like type character. Mm-hmm. When he is like a, like a hero almost. Because it's like he and the symbiote working together versus the symbiote that you have more control over him. Right. And Venom's coming off a real high run, too, in the comics. A very high point uh, from what I've read, expanding the uh, like the symbiote mythology, its origin, giving it uh, a god and creator, and really like expounding. Um, from what I've seen of the first Venom movie, it in its way... Is down to earth, you know, something fantastic happening in the regular world. Um, but, you know, they certainly have room to pivot and make, I don't want to say like a Captain America type art, but, you know, the first Captain America movie was an origin story, self contained, could have just, you know, ended there to a degree. And it made a big pivot when you get to Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. where he's, you know, nearly an espionage agent. Yeah. Uh, along with being a soldier, and then of course you switch to civil war, and it's a you know a larger scale conflict. You know you've got room to 
to move like that with a character like Venom. Not one of my favorite characters by any means, but by now he's been around long enough that he has been almost ever. I mean, I think he was in the Guardians of the Galaxy in the last couple of years. Yeah, him uh, and the, the thing. Yeah, him and, the thing. and when they did the whole after the Secret Wars when... Pretty much they got rid of the alternate universe and pretty much some people, like, you know, were saying, like, Miles Morales is now in the mainstream universe now. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and they had the thing, you know, basically they got rid of Fantastic Four and all that. I think the reason why they did that was, you know, trying to pressure Fox to lose that property after, you know, the abysmal Fantastic when they tried to bring back Fantastic Four when Fox was on the verge of losing that license. Because apparently when they got the, the, the original deals was... If they don't create a new intellectual property within five years, all rights and licenses go back to the original licensor, which was, in this case, Marvel. Right. And, you know, I will say, if... if and I think Marvel to this day... Now they, they're getting those... Denies characters. that they killed the Fantastic Four and, like, you know, yeah, downplayed the X-Men. But if that was their intent, or if that was not their intent, the ending of Secret Wars was a great stopping point for the Fantastic Four at that time. And, you know, they do that all the time in comics. They will let something lie for a couple of years until people are like, well, I really missed that. I wish it would come back. And then they wait a little bit longer. And now and then <laughs> yeah, they and finally then. will bring it back when it feels like the, there's an actual demand and people remember, you know, that those characters do have, you know, a life in them and a potential in them still. That they're, you know, a channel for a different story type than you're going to get in the, like, an Avengers comic, a Defenders comic, uh, you know, whatever. It's like the Fantastic Four is first and foremost a family. Their stories are, you know, in the classic sense, are like exploratory, discovery, adventure stories. Not necessarily so much battling a rogue government, a space tyrant, a time-traveling despot. You know, those things happen, but it's more about discovering the negative zone or, uh, you know, threats across space and time, you know, that they find because Reed is testing out an invention. So, you know, the Fantastic Four, that'll be another huge jumping point. Um, I think, like most people, I'm assuming that we're going to see... You know, maybe the Fantastic Four and um, X-Men in Phase 4. Maybe Phase I mean, 5, yeah, I mean, there's been hints that possibly Fantastic Four come back. Because remember in Homecoming, you know, when they were packing, like, Avengers Tower, where they were moving all the equipment and stuff because they're moving up to the base up in upstate New York. Who knows if someone bought the building? Mm-hmm. If you are hinting at maybe the Fantastic Four bought that building, that's going to get converted to the Baxter building. Yep. It's a possibility with that. Um... And of course, now now that Fox and Disney are that deal is going to get finalized sometime, you know, around end of next month, possibly, or going into April, you know, there's talks of who's going to take over, like who's because then we're still going to get the Phoenix Stark Rising. That's still going out. It's planned. Yeah. New Mutants are apparently doing reshots, but now there's been talks of that maybe not going to theaters, maybe going to Hulu or something. And yeah, there's been I read talks that of too. that also, and you know. Now they got to see how, when it comes to casting now, like, I'm assuming they're not going to retain this cast. The, for, for, for the X-Men movies? Yeah. No, I don't think so. I think it'll be I, easier for people. I think nowadays, 
again, I mean, you can reference Spider-Man a lot for a lot of different reasons. Same thing you can do with Batman. It's like people are willing to accept a churn in in casting. But now, and yeah, it, you know, it's just we've had three Spider-Mans in you know fifteen years, maybe twenty years. Uh, you know, numerous Batmans um, with the fact that you're not going to get Hugh Jackman. I actually was thinking about this the other day, and I, I know it won't come to pass, but, you know, they could allow themselves to cast a great Wolverine and not have him be the central, most critical pillar of the X-Men. Mm-hmm. If they get a good Wolverine, they could have a great ensemble movie that isn't Wolverine and the X-Men the way I feel, Yeah, you know, the the X-Men movies have been for a long time. Uh, I'm not going to guess who they're going to cast, but if you get a solid Wolverine that that delivers a great, you know, core cast performance, mm-hmm. everybody's going to want to see another one with him in it individually anyways. You don't yeah. have to sell the X-Men movie as, here's your Wolverine. Oh, and he's got this group of friends called the X-Men. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think it would only do them... It would be better for them to go ahead and recast, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he, I mean, Hugh Jackman said he's he was done after Logan that he was done. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, Reynolds has been pushing him to see if he wants to come back for like X Force just so they make a cameo. I mean, he's been trying to push him to the point that he don't have to come back as Wolverine, but as you know, Hugh Jackman or something, yeah, like a joke or something. It's like a basically a fourth wall type joke. I mean, of course, you know, Deadpool, when they did, like, when Deadpool 2, they released the Once Upon a Deadpool, the PG-13 version. It was, I mean, I didn't see it. I mean, the only thing that probably would have drawn me was just this interaction between him and Fred Savage. Mm-hmm. And that was the only thing. And then, of course, they poke fun at Disney and all that stuff. It, uh... And, I mean, yeah, now it's digital and Blu-ray. It's like, you know, I'm not. Because I already had Deadpool 2. I had the Super Duper cuts, like, you know... I know the reason why they did that was because, you know, they did it for, like, a charity. Like, the proceeds were for a charity. And just to see what it, if they did a PG-13, like, how it would turn out. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's nice that they, it's, you know, it's better that they're experimenting with these things now. Um, that they're willing to put things back in the theater, even if they're not necessarily going to turn the same kind of profits that they might demand from a first run, first release kind of thing. Because it lets them see, you know, like, what could we get away with? And if they, you know, even break, just break even on re-releasing, like, a Deadpool, you know, alternate cut, it lets them see what would people go do, you know? And it lets them see maybe where can we fiddle with other movies that are coming down the line. So, um, I'm trying to think of what might be a great example of, like, a PG-13 movie from someplace like Marvel. Uh, But, I don't even know if I can think of anybody. Maybe say, like, Nick Fury. Somebody like that who's got, like, a high Mm -hmm. military, espionage, super agent kind of feel. Like, you know what? Maybe that gets more toward a PG-13. And, it, you know, testing something like Deadpool, it would let them see a little bit of what people will tolerate and accept. So instead of, like, launching a, a young Nick Fury movie and going in blind and just hoping for the best, and then, you know, that sinks or swims, well, if they test, like, Deadpool, 
well, now they have a little bit better data and better, you know, ability to guess what might make a young Nick Fury movie, for example, successful. Mm-hmm. And then they're not, you know, they don't feel like they're gambling everything in the world on just one shot. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, it's it's really interesting the way they're doing that. All also too, it's like now that you know Endgame is coming. Like I said, there's like so many theories. You know, mm-hmm. time traveling involved. I mean, based on the two trailers that were shown, you know, the one early last year, and then of course um, the one during the Super Bowl. There's possibly a time travel being involved because you know an Ant Man and a Wasp. You know, he went back to the quantum realm, and of course, you know, quantum realm with time and all that stuff. Yeah, um, I've been thinking, because I hadn't realized, I hadn't looked closely enough. You were saying how um, there's a video footage that shows, like, Archive, Scotland, you know, like... Uh, yeah. I keep wondering if the the Russo brothers are going to do a head fake on the time travel, and they're just going to let everyone keep thinking it's time travel as, you know, to the second they sit down in that theater. And, you know, something like a timestamp on a trailer, mm-hmm. how easily can that be added in and taken out? There's, I mean, the Russos have already shown that they will lie in a trailer in order to keep a secret for the movie, which, frankly, I am fine with. The whole idea that you didn't ever see Hulk beyond the first couple of minutes in Infinity yeah. War, it changed the way the movie went. You know, um, I'm not saying Hulk could have saved Wakanda all by himself yeah. by any means, but the power differential would have been a lot different. And uh, it was a much, a very interesting twist as a viewer mm-hmm. to find out, wait a minute, I'm not really going to see Hulk. What's Bruce going to do? And it changed like my expectations in the movie, like as I was watching it. And I wasn't sitting there thinking at all, you know, like, where's Hulk? Where's Hulk? You know, yeah. like, it was just fun. So, you know, if they want to keep, if they are lying about the time travel thing, great. <laughs> keep, keep faking everybody out. Keep everybody guessing. You know, I don't need to know ahead of time. I want to go in and, and, you know, be surprised as I can and, and as excited as I can when it happens. So I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it's like a 50 50 shot, maybe like a 70% chance that they're, I'm sure time will be involved, but I, I'm thinking it's not going to be the main thrust anymore. But that's just my guess. Yeah. Like I said, it's like there's like so many shots, you know, so many on-set photos. Like I said, there was one. There was a shot from the set about, like, he's in his uh, Captain America's, like, shave. And, again, he's wearing the old Captain America Avengers suit from Avengers. So I wanted to go back to that point, you know, when Loki got, you know, controlled by the Tesseract. You know, Thanos was like, controlled him. They gave him the staff and course messed up with loki's mind and it's like they're gonna go back that far because like same thing with spider-man home uh, far from home because there's like so many theories because now it's like does they place with you know can Peggy say this place after endgame mm-hmm. but a lot of people are saying maybe it takes place a few minutes after endgame but like before infinity war because the whole timeline thing because based on that first trailer for far from home you don't see you see happy you always in you know the only people that you know spider-man's team up with is nick fury Mm-hmm. And Maria Hill, it's been confirmed he's going to work with Nick Fury and Maria Hill. And, you know, they don't mention, you know, Tony Stark, they don't mention the Avengers or anything like that. It, uh, I mean, I and think. Then you see the elementals, and yeah. you see, you know, Mysterio, you know, there. And also, like, there's been talks that many Mysterios 
gonna be a, like a good guy at first, eventually he transitioned to a villain, just like what they did with uh, Doctor Strange with Bear Mortal. Mm-hmm. Like how he was a student, just like you know Stephen Strange, and eventually later on he becomes like his rival. And you yeah. saw how the transition happened towards the end of the film, and of course that post credit scene, you know, he becomes you know basically evil, basically. Yeah, and it's. Um the Baron Moto, I think, was good. It was a solid choice. I don't think enough of these films retain solid antagonists from film to film. Uh, you know, it's just a time-honored, like, we gotta kill him at the end kind of thing. Spider-Man did great by keeping the Vulture alive. Yeah. We might not see him in the second one. No, I mean, there's but, a possibility yeah. it is, because what I like about two was... Yeah, Spider-Man kicked my butt, but at the same time, he saved my daughter. Right. Which was like, and then you see in that one scene when he's walking in the prison, you see that one dude walking by, and he's questioning, like, do you know who this Spider-Man is? And you see the tattoo of the scorpion, which kind of gives you a point, that's Scorpion. Mm-hmm. And apparently, either Spider-Man kicked his butt in the past, he wants to get revenge, and Vulture knows that who Spider-Man is. Right. And but it's, it's like that same thing, and now he's got a dilemma, like, does he want to give away his identity? But at the same time, this was the guy, this kid, save your daughter. Right. And it's, you know, it's a little bit of a similar threat that Norman Osborn always has over him. Uh, I can't say how relieved I am that they didn't bring Green Goblin oh back. God. Uh, yeah, thank we God. We could go another 10 years without that. <laughs> um, but it lets, it gave them a way to use that leverage as a story point without having to have Norman Osborn in there. And it makes complete sense. Like, as you were saying, he has both probably an anger at Parker for defeating him, but also, you know, he owes him one with saving his daughter. Uh, so, you know, again, I don't know that we're going to see Vulture in you know, Spider-Man 2, I almost think it's probably better that we don't because, you know, again, play a long game, mm. handle Europe and Mysterio, however that story develops by itself, and then use that teaser scene again. Set up, set up, uh, you know, movie three. I can't see that there's any question that there's going to be a, a Spider-Man 3. Yeah. Um, uh, Especially with this Avengers Endgame, pretty much, you know, chances are we are going to see either... Some of the Avengers not making it, or you're retiring, or not making it because it's like because a lot of the actors' contracts are up. Like Tony Stark's, like Robert Redford's contract is up. Mm-hmm. You know, Chris Hemsworth's contract is up. Chris Evans' contract is up. So it's like maybe it's what's going to happen. We we'll probably won't see many of the Avengers coming back. Mm-hmm. But chances are, this is like a new beginning, a new. Now we're going to have a new Avengers team. Well, what would be interesting too is if at the end of and I again no this is all theory basis for this. But, you know, how interesting would it be to see Endgame finish, tell a complete story, some characters walk away, some don't, but you don't know what's going to happen with the Avengers next. Mm-hmm. You know, Avengers, uh, Age of Ultron had that set for, you know, here's the new team, who do we got on the list? And you see Falcon, you see Vision, uh, you know, Scarlet Witch appear, you know who the next team is going to be for the next appearance. It would be very interesting to see them not tell us who's going to be an Avenger for Avengers 5. Yeah. And do a couple of movies. Do You know, you're going to have 
well, Captain Marvel will be before the uh, before the point, but you'll have a Spider-Man movie afterwards. You'll yeah, most Doctor likely Strange have too. another, yeah, Doctor Strange, another Marvel, another Guardians, uh, Black Panther, another Guardians. You're probably going to have one or two. I would think you might get one or two unannounced properties that'll launch. Mm-hmm. You got time. It took them how long to build up into the first Avengers movie? Let them come together again. Maybe there's not always a group of Avengers operative every single day of the week in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe there'll be a time frame when there aren't when they are just there are not Avengers. But you know, a couple years down the line, they are needed again, and who who is there? You know, will appear. It would be a way for them to kind of make a clean break. That's true. I mean, like I said, it's going to be, you know, interesting. Like I said, it's just like, we have to wait and see how that happens. You know, we'll see how it goes. I mean, like I said, we still got Captain Marvel and we still got, you know, Avengers Endgame. It it depends how that movie. And of course, it's been like this movie apparently is going to be like three hours. And there's rumors going on that pretty much it might include, like the Russo brothers might include an intermission thing, like an intermission point. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's like, I would just like, I don't mind sitting to three hours of the film. I mean, I went through Lord of the Rings Return of the King. That movie was like three hours and a half, apparently, and that was a long movie. They didn't have any intermission. Yeah. Like, it was a straight up, you know. This is not a casual fan movie. No. And you're not going to get, you know, like the amount of people who go with a boyfriend or a girlfriend, there will be some people there. You know, that that they'll, they'll have managed to make that the first one, or maybe they maybe they watched uh infinity war you know two days before and are just going out to have the fun and that's great cool yeah but for the most part it's going to be people that have a huge investment in this mm-hmm. emotionally and you know imaginatively um so i think yeah like i'm definitely like if if it takes three hours for them to tell that story and that story delivers give them the three hours you're gonna get you know i'm gonna be paying whatever freaking $20 it takes to get into that theater if you give me an hour and a half or three hours. So give me the three hours. Let me feel like I got the biggest, you know, freaking story of all time in that movie. Yeah. Like, you know, no, no one's gonna, no one's gonna complain about a three hour runtime. And yeah, an intermission would probably be smart if they can do it. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm just not going to drink anything for like two hours. Before, <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm so like the main like uh, just, I'm like ah oh. yeah because when I go to the theaters like I I I don't get anything in concessions and stands like honestly I better just like focus on the movie because if I get something if I drink something it's like I don't want to go to the bathroom I want to you know my attention my focus wants to be just like on the film itself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, especially, like, if it does do that, it's going to be the three hours. And, you know, sitting there for three hours and just try to hold it in, trying to, you know, see everything. Mm-hmm. Light up, like, yeah. So, I can't wait. I'm looking very forward to it, and we'll see how it goes from there. And, and then I'll... Have you been catch up on any anime at this time, or...? Um, let's see here. I've, uh... Well, I, I told you previously, you know, I'd been doing Sword Art Online, but I kind of stalled with the... The... The shift where they finished the first arc, had a few episodes kind of back in the real world, establishing the status quo at that point. He discovers 
that his, you know, in-game wife was around but incapacitated um, for reasons that no one knew. They planted the plot line of, like, the kind of next antagonist, and he moved into... I, I keep wanting to say, like, F. Helmheim, but I know that's not quite right. Um, but the more elven fairy setting... I'm not as much of a fan of that aesthetic. So it's made a hard, it's a hard sell for me now. Mm-hmm. So I'm not as inclined to get back into those episodes. So I've stalled a little bit on that. Um, I have made more progress on Naruto. Um, I'm going to assume at this point, people that have, might be listening have seen these things or not. Um, but like with that, I made it through the uh, giant, coordinated ambush on the the leaf village mm-hmm. by the sand and the sound clans so same sound villages um that was amazing that was so good there was so much going on there um the character of naruto himself i hated for the first several several <laughs> episodes but i i pushed myself through it because i'd seen some clips um, that people posted of some of the later episodes, especially the fight sequences. And I was like, I wanted to see what this all was about. Yeah. Um, so I pushed myself through that maybe more than I would have otherwise. Um, and you know, at this point, uh, you've got, uh, Sasuke's older brother. Oh, Itachi. Itachi. Yes. Has returned. And we are seeing, the beginning of his plot to take Naruto, I'm assuming to get the nine, nine-tailed fox, uh, like powers from Naruto somehow or harness them. Oh, uh, I just actually last night, maybe two nights ago, but I think it was last night, I watched the episode where you really see what Itachi has done. Like, not just that you know he murdered the Itachi, the like clan, the Chiha clan, yeah, but you see it. And you see, uh, like Sasuke's story. No, his hatred and stuff. And yeah, like how he made it, how he made him relive the slaughter and then walked away from him, his own brother, as like, you're too pathetic to even bother killing. Um, so I think that they, they did a really, Good job. I'm assuming in the manga as well. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I read the whole manga, so it's like, I don't want to say anything because it's like, I don't want to yeah, no, spoil I'm, it. I'm enjoying the... Because I read the, the whole run, and I... And then right now, I haven't wa- been watching the, you know, the continuation, which is good on Baruto, um, Naruto Next Generations, which is like... Honestly, it's not bad. You know, it's like... I just haven't got back into it, and... Mm-hmm. Apparently, I've been reading online, I mean, news network and stuff, and, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in that arc right now, because it, it just came back, and now they're adding more episodes. Because I've been catch, I've been, like, watching, like, all these new ones, like, just came out this winter. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, they, you know, we got One Piece still going on, which is one I've been keeping up on, all these new ones. Uh, Black Clover was one of the ones that got my attention, and then, yeah, I, I've been, and then, of course, I've been reading SAO, I'm reading the light novels, and... That was awesome. They're finally doing the Alicization arc, which is a long arc because it's like book nine all the way to book eighteen, which is a mm. long arc. And right now, in, the, in here in the West, we barely got you know book fifteen translated. And we're we're that I'm like not even right now. I'm almost like halfway done with that book, and it's like now it's saying fourth episode of the Project Alicization arc. It's like 
great. I'm only like not even halfway there. I mean, it's like, and it's really good. Like, and apparently right now the anime is going to take a break like sometime in April because they did say it was going to be in four cores, which means like it's going to be breaking down into like mm-hmm. episode runs. Hey, if it works for quality take, control yeah. and you know if it works well for that they're producing the best product they can, people are more tolerant of these, you know, mini seasons or shorter. Shorter runs in order to get a great overall product, I think. But also, too, um, I'm like getting into Black Clover too. That's another anime that's really good. I'm enjoying that a lot. It's like it's by the same studio that done. Um, it's some studio Parada. It's, it's the ones that work on Naruto, so it's the same studio. And I like it. I'm enjoying it. And right now, I'm looking on Anime News Network, and I guess they're showing like the episode rankings right now for the week, like last week, and. From the 29th of January to the 4th, and right now, Mob Psycho 102, like, it's the second season of that anime. I never got into it. It's at number one right now. Uh, one Piece is at number three. And then there's a new anime, too, I've been watching called, at that time I got reincarnated as a slime, I do recommend it. It's, um, it's like a hilarious plot. I believe it's, I don't know, it's on Hulu. I think it's just, right now, I'm just on Crunchyroll. I think also on Funimation now. It's streaming on that also if you want to see the dub, but the sub one is on Crunchyroll. And it was one of those animes that debuted last year and still going on. I enjoy, I'm enjoying it. It's like a good premise, you know. There's this guy like in his late 30s and, you know, he works in an office and stuff and he pretty much, um, he runs into his co-worker who's younger. He's like almost like, that young co-worker's like almost like, he respects him a lot. Like, he considers him his senpai. He uses his girlfriend. And eventually, a guy comes trying to mug, and, you know, the mentor decides to step away. He ends up getting stabbed. Ends up dying. And then, apparently, this being, I don't know, this, this higher power, and then, like, trying to save his life. And he's like, oh, I just, I, if I do get reborn, I want to feel no pain. I don't want to bleed and all that stuff. And, of course, he gets <laughs> reincarnated in a different world, like a fantasy star. Japanese RPG world. With, like, monsters and elves and all that stuff, and he's a slime. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of cool. He's an interesting slime because he can absorb different, you know, animals or different creatures and get their powers and abilities. And then, like, now his purpose is now he wants all these different clans. Like, he's just trying to create a universal peace in the land between the different races of different elves, goblins, orcs, you know, ogres. Like, trying to make it like a, like a utopia almost type environment. Mm-hmm. Well, Which is, know, is enjoyable. I do enjoy it. Um, and like I said, it's one of those things I recommend. You know, Black, Clo- Black Clover's another one. You know, it's that one's pretty simple. It follows um, Asta. These two um, twin babies that were left, in, you know, as babies. Um, it was Asta and Yuno. And, you know, Asta's, you know, magic basically runs everything. Basically, if you're born magic, like, basically magic runs everything. Magic's like the one thing. And um, they get grimoires where, like, books where they learn spells and helps them grow as, you know, using magic. And then Asa's one of those rain cases that he doesn't have any magical powers at all. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because he shouts. Like, if you can get through the past few episodes of him shouting, because that's how he is, he talks a lot. And I do applaud the voice actor, the Japanese voice actor or actress that does his voice. Just to get that screaming part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because he's, he does scream a lot in the first few episodes. But if you can get to that and watch the next few episodes, it, you'll enjoy it if you're into, like, magic and stuff and action. Yeah. There is some, like, like comedy in there. But I do recommend that one. 
Yeah, I've been seeing that more, like, the more I watch certain things. I mean, like, I, I started rewatching Attack on Titan again just for fun, mm-hmm. and I forget how much certain characters just grate on me. And you kind of got to... It seems like you have to be a little bit more willing to commit to the world in order to get through some characters that start in a, a rough or an annoying place. And, you know, a lot of times those characters are... You know, one of the ones that end up having the the richest story arc or development, um, and I'm terrible at the names, especially because they are, you know, Japanese names. I'm just not great with them. But you know, of course, there's a main character. Uh, er- no, not Aaron. Aaron Jaeger. Yeah, yeah. They're like German style yeah. names, like. Um, and then like the, the the drunk that was part of the city guard. Oh, or, or, or that, that was always like kind of there, and like seeing how he changed over the courses of the seasons. You know, um, so I think sometimes that kind of like melodrama, uh, you know, early on, they have to show you who that character is, like, right out of the gate. You know, they're usually, what, half-hour-long episodes? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they got to they gotta paint with real bright colors. This is this guy at the beginning. <laughs> this is this guy. This is this girl. And then, you know, over the course of a season or two, you're really watching them change. But at the beginning, I think I've got to get... Uh, I always have to get in a mindset of, like... This is a pilot, <laughs> or this is the beginning. <laughs> it will almost always get better than this. So if you can get through a pilot, you know, like you're you're generally going to be rewarded. Um, but yeah, Naruto is definitely like that. Um, although it's funny because you were talking about Baruto too, and I, it, it makes me think of how it might have been for people like me. Like I never watched Avatar, but I watched Korra. Mm. And I've seen all the core things. So, like, I, I almost bought one of the Avatar collections that they sell at Target all the time. Because you can get all of Avatar for, like, yeah, maybe, like, 40 bucks. Yeah, because I know they, yeah. they released it, like, on Blu-ray now. It's like... Yeah, they just released it on Blu-ray. That's all that. Yeah, and it's like... Because I have that on DVD. I have all three books, and, you know, I have the whole Avatar series. And I got, like, I think a couple of the Korra ones. I have to go back and get the other ones. Yeah, and I would never... I enjoyed the show. I enjoyed The Legend of Korra because it's like... And, of course, now with Avatar, now, you know, with Netflix, you know, Nickelodeon, they're going to bring a live-action version, which, honestly, is going to redeem itself from, of course, when Shyamalan tried to make a crack at it, but this mm-hmm. time they're bringing the original creators as showrunners and producers, mm-hmm. and they said it's going to be a diverse cast. It's not going to be whitewashing, because that's a lot of things that's going on right now when it comes to properties like this, I like guess, the whole whitewashing and all this stuff. And then the SAO is going to be a live-action one, which is kind of cool, and when they said that, you know, Asuna and Kirito are going to be Japanese, mm-hmm. because they felt the SAO, the way the book is, like A-Hill and all of them, they're all different, you know, you know, they can do, like, different nationalities. And then One Piece is going to get adapted, and it's going to be adapted by Hollywood, but the creator's going to be a producer. What was cool about the creator of One Piece is he pretty much has a set, you know, not actors he has in mind, but nationalities, what his char- each of his characters represent. Right. There was, a, there was an interview, I don't, I don't know, it was like two years back, where they sat down when they announced they're, gonna, they're developing a One Piece for live-action series. They sat down with the creator of One Piece, and he did mention, you know... This is what I have. Like, for my characters, I'm going to be hands-on. I'm not going to be, you know, oh, they're just going to use my characters, and that's a negative way. No, he's going to be hands-on with the whole project, you know. Mm-hmm. He's going to give his feedback. He's going to, you know, contribute. And he has a list to break down what each character, which nationality they represent. 
which mm-hmm. is kind of cool. So hopefully we'll see a diverse cast. And of course, you see that one movie is coming out by Rob Rodriguez that's based on a manga called Alita Battle Angel. That's coming out, I think, sometime this week, I believe. Later this week. Is that the one James Cameron's involved in, too? Nah, he's producing it, but Robert Rodriguez directed it. Oh, okay. It's called I, Alita I, Battle Angel, which is based yeah. on a manga. It's based on a manga work, and the way they made that character look like... Yeah, like a it tribute. Looks, yeah, it, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's... I, it, th- I haven't seen anything except, like, clips of the main character. Mm-hmm. And, like, I I might be on the losing side of this argument, but, like, I am not as much of a fan of CGI as I am old-school animation. Mm-hmm. And looking at that character, it's, like, all I see is a weird... Like, like it's close enough to being, like... The whole anime, real, typical anime, like, like, all the big eyes, yeah. Yeah, and I see the eyes in that kind of setting, and like the the very like heart shaped face, and like mm-hmm. that's all I'm looking at is that face. I'm not really interested in anything else now because I can't get over how weird that face looks in a CGI setting. Yeah, you know, on a printed page, it. I think it. It settles in its environment more. Yeah. But if you have like this hyper realistic or pretty realistic background and then you get this person with this head, especially if that's the only person that's drawn, you know, rendered to look that way, if the other characters are rendered more human, human, like I would never get, like that would be like a point of disconnect with me every single time I see that character. Um, but, uh, I don't, as I say, I don't know what they did for, uh, representation in that movie at all. For, like, if the character actor, if like the voice actors or anything are, I think she did the actress they used just to, as the model. Like she is portrayed in the movie. Like they just, I'm thinking what it is that probably did was impose the head on her face. Mm-hmm. But she's still doing like the movements and everything, the voice and everything. So it's the same actress, or that you know they you know do that. So like it's like what they do with movies now, where like they did with the Ninja Turtles, or they were the actors who are portraying them and are you know. Just the standalones are wearing like this, these suits, mm-hmm. like these motion track suits, so they can pose with the CGI over them. Right, right. Because um, now with technology always growing, now it's getting to the point that they can do it. They can have stands like with with Andy Serkis did with the Lord of the Rings movies, how he was standing in for Gollum. Right. Not only doing the voice, but at the same time doing the standing work for it. Yeah. So that he was like his whole like the body language interaction, like the natural interaction you get between a voice. And a uh, a human posture is going to be able to be, like, you know, captured and painted on top of. And, yeah, it's definitely, I would imagine, the way that they're going to continue to try and go. Because, you know, you're going to get more actors that I think are known for their live, like, unaltered appearances. Mm Mm-hmm. Showing up in movies that require for them to do green screen work. Like, I'm trying to think, like Avatar, you had like Sigourney Weaver, if I remember correctly, portraying one of the natives of Pandora. Um, you wouldn't, I'd, even though that movie is, you know, old now, Avatar. Like, oh, apparently we're getting the sequels finally. Yeah, supposedly, but. Because James Cameron stopped diving into the sea and stuff. Yeah, doing deep sea, you know, exploration. No, I just read a good article about that actually, and how there's no or very little fan base for Avatar, and it kind of explored it. I want to say it was on ComicBookResources.com, uh, mm-hmm. and it talked about how sort of basically 
they tried to get every benefit out of a franchise that they could have out of one movie by building a theme park and by yeah doing that thing all with these Disney, other yeah. things with it that you would see on a Star Wars or Harry Potter kind of thing that has multiple movies under its belt. Mm-hmm. They tried to do that with one movie, make the franchise all the extras like relevant, yeah. And then let's wait ten years for the next movie. And it's like who's really look who's really waiting for another Avatar movie? <laughs> well, no one. <laughs> so, honestly, I it's don't like, yeah. it's you know, it's that weird movie that's so successful but doesn't have any kind of fan base. Um, but yeah, Comic Book Resources had a very good article in the last maybe like seven, ten days, uh, kind of exploring that idea of, uh, making something that people have already like seen and nobody's really looking for another serving of, but let's make three movies back to back. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you said, like in the course, we got Star Wars episode nine coming out later this year. Mm-hmm. We'll see how that goes. Um, can't wait for that. You know, it's one I mean, I have not seen Solo, which I'm like, I need to watch it. I mean, I keep, I haven't seen it, but I'm like, it's a fun movie. It's it is as good as any other Star Wars movie. If people are being honest, it's you might not like it, you might like it, but it's not any better or any worse than any other Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, you're not watching Casablanca. You're not watching. Uh, you're not watching something that's going to be put on the Criterion channel. It's it's a Star Wars movie. It's supposed to be fun, interesting landscapes, great fight sequences, you know, bright, you know, very bright, very dark characters. Like, it, it, that's what it is. You know, no one was looking for an Indiana Jones movie from George Lucas to be a deep, insightful search into the the cost on Native cultures of having a white American archaeologist come in and take your uh, ancestral artifacts. That's <laughs> not what Indiana Jones is. You know, maybe they should talk about it a little bit, maybe not, but that's not what it is. It's some dude that looks kind of cool going in with a whip <laughs> and fighting Nazis. That That's what it is. Star Wars is not that much deeper than that. Yeah. So, and I don't ask for it to be more. I love Star Wars. But I think Han Solo, it is, if you look at it as a heist movie in space, it's a great one. Okay. So what are you watching now? Like, besides... Uh, well, I just, I think, uh, I don't think you started it yet. Uh, I know I got Biko into it, um, but I just watched The Kingdom. That was great. Great example, speaking of diversity like you did earlier and whitewashing. I never want to see an Americanized version of that. I don't want to see an Americanized version. I don't want to see a, a version of the kingdom set in medieval England. All I've ever seen are medieval England, you know, movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, the kingdom on Netflix, great. It is dubbed. So if you're somebody, I don't know if there's an option for not dubbing on there, but uh, I was surprised because I started to watch it in subtitles with the volume off because I was watching it at night. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't until maybe like three quarters of the way through the, the first episode that I realized, oh, these are actually, it's actually dubbed. Hmm. So I will say that's my exception because for me, I have a, a low bar of sitting through foreign uh, language movies and having to read the subtitles. That's just me. Yeah. 
It's so, like it's yeah. It's it's like for me, it's like it comes to like the debate for anime fans, like sub or dub. Yeah, it's like with me. I mean, I don't mind dubs. I'm just used to sub. It's like because with sub, it's like you get more. No, no, no I'm not discrediting. You know the the voice, the English voice actors. They do their best. They try to match the tone and the inflections of these characters. Um, just trying to drive from the source material to get because, like I said, when they get these materials from Japan, you know they had to try to match the lip movement basically. Mm-hmm. Versus if you watch it in sub, you get that raw emotion from the characters because mm-hmm. these are actors that pretty much stand like sometimes they record together in the same you know studio and like in Japan and they see the scene coming out and they, they start going to their emotions and stuff reading off the script like they try to give like that shouting when it needs to be shot or scream when it needs to scream cry when they want to cry you know it's I just got used to that sub I mean there's a few dubs that I do enjoy like I enjoy you know Full My Alchemist dub Bleach dub Trigon dub Samurai Champloo Cowboy Bebop definitely enjoyed those dub casts My Hero Academia I like both I like sub and dub Naruto I grew up a little bit on the dub but I enjoyed more the sub. And because if you think about it, the, the voice actress that does Naruto and the actress who does the voice of Naruto in Japan, they had the same tone. So it's like that much of a difference to me. Because they pretty much sound the same, which I do enjoy. Mm-hmm. But I got so much because I was watching Naruto more sub because of Crunchyroll and stuff. Because with the dubs, it takes a while to the dub comes out because they have to record everything. Versus Japan, you know, they record it. And they do it, and then it comes to Crunchyroll. Crunchyroll just like subtitles. It gets the translation, no subtitle, which takes not, takes that that long to translate. And I enjoyed that more. So I got use of the Japanese voice cast for Naruto. That's fine. And, and I mean, I see people having that kind of, you know, pros and cons kind of thing. I guess for me, it's like there's, for a lot of people, I think they're not going to sit there and force themselves to get used to subtitles. No. And I would rather see... Like I, my point being, I don't want to see it recast or redone because those actors and actresses in the kingdom, and I'm sure in for like like to be broad, like any of those movies from like the Asian market or from India or you know anywhere else that you know are, are producing good you know television or movies, I don't, I don't not want to see an African actor like an actual of you know, an African nation actor or a Korean actress. Gained up by... I don't want to, I don't want to not see their faces. Mm-hmm. I want to see their faces. I want to see the authentic, the authentic actor, actress. But like, for me, the line is like, I'll watch it in dub if I have to, mm-hmm. but it is easier for me to get into it. If I hear English words mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean that I want them to, to make their original film with only English speaking characters. I, I want them to do it however they want to do it and makes it good, you know. But when I watch it, it's easier for me to appreciate it when I can hear the English <laughs> and still see those actors from yeah. China, Korea, whatever, and I get to see their visual performance. So that's that's easier for me, and I yeah. it makes me as happy to see it and to, like, I'm ready for the next season, you know, of The Kingdom, yeah. if, they, if they go out and make another one, or, like, a third season. Like, I'll watch it. Those actors are great, but it's easier for me to hear the English, and if I'm, like, I mean, I would think my clicks on Netflix are as valuable as a sub, as a dubbed click, <laughs> as a, you know, subtitle click. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if they're going by how many, how many uh, viewers are getting, 
you know, if they're going to go ahead and finance a second season, yeah. then, yeah, you're going to get more clicks out of me because I can listen to it. Yeah. You know, so... Uh, but the kingdom's been great. Uh, that was really good. Uh, I started watching the passage on, uh, it's at USA. I don't know. Um, but there's that newer TV show, the passage. I think I just watched the fourth episode a day or two ago. Um, broadcast TV show based on the novels by, uh, James Corwin, Cornyn, um, called the passage. And then he has two follow up, uh, novels with that. It's pretty solid so far. Uh, I've read all the books. I can already see where they're kind of changing, um, changing some aspects of it. But, you know, in a book you can go, you know, a couple of chapters, you've got everything set, however long it is, and then, you know, end of chapter, boom, you're five years ahead. Boom, you're ten years ahead. You know, in a book I think you have freedom to do that as much as you want, as long yeah. as you can make it understandable for the reader. I think in TV shows, it's a little bit harder to do that. It can happen. I guess Walking Dead has done that several times this season. Um, I'm not... I haven't got it. back into Walking Dead, um, so I lost track after, what, five I think I lost? I, I think they've done two time jumps in this current season, um, and that's fine. But then you're also dealing with, you know, aging of the characters or oh, recasting. Yeah. So far in the passage, um, they're still in the early part of what would be contemporary time... For the novel. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure they're reworking it in a way that's going to make it understandable for a TV audience. The book takes place over a much greater time span than you might think normally. So, uh, but yeah, The Passage, that's a great, it's a pretty good and enjoyable show right now. And of course, I've been catching up on, on regular TV, adorable. Mm. I mean, if you're a big Star Trek fan... It's like, honestly, it's an enjoyable show, and, of course, you know, been watching that, we catch up on that already, and, of course, they had to recast one of the actors. Well, they brought a different actress to play, like, the same race that that character was portraying, because I guess the actress who played the original security officer, she was going to work on other projects, so they found a way to, you know, give her a clean exit from the show, and mm-hmm. brought somebody else to play a different character, but the same race, which, you know, which I like, you know, in the world, they have different characters from different races, so it's kind of cool, like a diverse cast. Yeah. And it's I like, it's like separate from following, like, it's his love, because he, he is a Star Trek fan, because in every reason past, he's a big Star Trek fan, and that was cool, he was able to get that, you know, off to the, off to the point that it's, I got renewed for a second season. Yeah. It was, I, I don't know if I've seen the entire first season, but I saw a chunk of it. That was real fun. And I think, you know, he, it's definitely, you can tell it's one of his movies, one of his properties, because of the sense of humor is still there. But I think he does, I think you can see that he's an actual Star Trek fan, because he's not being, he's not making a Star Trek show. No. But he's not being disrespectful to the spirit of Star Trek. And space travel and stuff. Yeah, so I think, you know, that was a lot of people's knocks on the Abrams Star Trek movies mm-hmm. was it was all action. There was no exploration, and there was very little of the optimism that you get from the Star Wars or probably Star Wars Star Trek TV shows. And I don't know if I would say Orville has that same optimism that the Star Trek TV properties did, but I think it actually it's a closer to that. Spirit. I kind of think you could like if if he had gotten licensed, that could be the USS Orville. 
and it could have Federation uniforms, and that would just be the eccentric captain that is flying in a different sector of space. Mm-hmm. And Paramount could could still, you know, like it would be acceptable within that oh, parameter. So this is like a Fox property. It's yeah, like- and uh, so I think the Orville's a it's a real fun show. I got a good buddy who's really into it, and uh, I'm sure I'm going to get into watch that second season. I just haven't made it there yet. Yeah, I know it's on Hulu right now, so they're yeah. thrown on there. That one, Brooklyn Nine Nine. We get the little comedy in there. And like I said, and of course, we got Game of Thrones coming up. I still got to catch up on Game of Thrones. So yeah, that's fast. That's for the, like, I know the last season is coming up. You know, it's like, I know it's supposed to be a short season, because, but they, I guess the episodes were expanded upon. There, I think they've said or pretty much confirmed each episode's about two hours. So you're getting like ten movies or like, like five or however many movies yeah. instead of just... You know, 10, 50 minute episodes. Yeah. So, uh, like it's been like in the past, it was like 10, 50, 55 minute episodes. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're solid. Yeah. Like so, solid, uh, Hour. regular size episodes. But, uh, yeah, no, that'll be great. I think that's in April too, perhaps. Hmm. Uh, not, not much further away. I mean, we're already in February. So, uh, yeah, that's coming up. Yeah. That's, yeah. Like I said, there's a lot of stuff I got to catch up on. <laughs> like I said, I've been, Pretty much uh, playing video games and all that stuff, and it's like, yeah, there's a lot of things I need to catch up on, and like that's one of the things, too. And like, like I said, with the Marvel Netflix shows, and of course, you know, all the talks of what's, you know, with Disney Plus, and even though we already got the name, they haven't said how much it's going to be yet. I mean, I know they're working on, you know, they're working on that Star Wars show, The Mandalorians, that's John Favreau's put doing right now, and they announced, you know, Falcon and Winter Soldier are going to have a show, and Scarlet Witch and the Vision are going to have a show, and Loki's going to have a show, like a miniseries. It's like, it's mm-hmm. interesting. But it's like, a lot of people are saying, now Punisher's second season came out, what's going to happen? Because Jessica Jones hasn't been canceled yet, and Punisher hasn't been canceled yet. And the problem is, are these shows going to be coming out into uh, Disney Plus? And the problem is, because with the whole Iron Fist getting canceled, Daredevil getting canceled, Luke Cage getting canceled, that's just because of that. My thing is, is it's because there's a contract that the actors sign when they sign up for these characters that they like. Apparently, it's a contract with the, with Netflix and Marvel saying they can't use those characters in film and television for two years after it's been canceled. Mm. So they're trying to free up those characters as quickly as they can. To so I don't know if Disney's going to try to buy out the deal with Netflix and try to get those characters to, to bring those shows back. I don't know. And plus, you know, what Disney and Fox, you know, now Disney's going to have a majority share of Hulu. Mm-hmm. And what Disney said, like Bob Iger said, that he's going to try to make Hulu available internationally. Try to reach international markets because right now you only can get Hulu in the U.S. You can't get it anywhere else. Oh, okay. I didn't, it's all it's all U.S. based, but I think with them getting you know with Fox, it's like now they'll get a bigger try to push the international market. And of course, with anime wise, they're trying to get more anime because of Netflix right now is trying to get more anime. And when when Hulu signed that deal with Funimation to get more anime, now it's showing that they are adding more more anime episodes. So we we'll have to wait and see what's going on with the future right now in the world of pop culture. It's like all these things coming out this year. You know, new comics. Like, of course, Rob Liefeld now, he's working on the last Deadpool project. He's, it's like the last Deadpool project he's working on called Deadpool Batter Blood, which is a sequel to, like, the 2017 arc called Deadpool Bad Blood. Mm-hmm. So Rob Liefeld said this is, like, the final thing he's working on when it comes to Deadpool. 
and finally Deadpool properties working on. So mm-hmm. interesting to see how that's going to be run. And I've been reading, you know, I've been reading, I've been reading the, the the Sonic the Hedgehog IDW published right now because yeah, I'm a big Sonic fan. I got a Sonic tattoo. Um, um, and what I like about this Sonic cartoon on uh, comic book run was, you know, I had the time comic book run from when it was on Archie when Archie owned, Archie was licensed it, licensed it mm-hmm. from Sega. And of course, I was sad to see that run ended, but I think it was because of the fact it was either people weren't reading it as much or Sega decided they wanted to move to a different direction. And that's why they went with IDW. And what I like about it is IDW brought people that worked on the Archie comic version of Sonic in the past to come back and write in this work. They brought Ian Flynn Black back, which I did enjoy his writing. They brought, you know, artists like Tracy Yardley, um, who does a great job with artwork, and they got this other, character, um, other artist now working on it. But Ian Flynn coming back and working on, you know, the Sonic series, like, I like his writing. I enjoy his writing style. And like I said, this is set... A different universe, but it's more like in the game universe. Mm-hmm. But it takes place after that video game Sonic Forces. So it's like the aftermath of that. So right now it's up to. I just finished reading issue thirteen, and it's really good. Yeah. Like they are adding all these original characters, which is really good. Was, IDW has a real strong track record. I mean, they're sort of like the current version of what Dark Horse Comics used to be that used to license mm-hmm. a lot of properties. I mean, they held Star Wars license for a long time. Uh, a very long time, actually. Um, I believe IDW used to run, maybe still run, the Transformers license and I the think I think still, license. Yeah, and now Marvel's and, working with them, too, because they're doing some stuff with Marvel also. Uh, I saw that, too. Like, I don't remember if I've seen anything about that recently. Uh, well, they do, like, I, right now they do, like, they're doing a lot of the Disney ones, too. Like, they were doing a lot of the licensed Disney Oh, the IDW was? Yeah, okay, IDW's yeah. doing right now. They're doing all Disney runs right now, also. Um, like I said, they did uh, the collaborate. Like, which I I got the Batman and Ninja Turtles collaboration, mm-hmm. the first one. Now they did a number number two, like a sequel to it, which I got to pick up. I think they just released it the, in graphic novel format, mm-hmm. and that's time. Like now, that's between DC and IDW because the Turtles are on IDW, right? But yeah, they've got a lot of experience and I think uh, a strong track record of adapting. Properties, you know, properties, and then like with the GI Joe one, I'm pretty sure they brought back Chuck Dixon, who had been the yeah, Kevin Eastman. And Kevin Eastman is still working yeah. on the Turtles property. He's still working on it. Yeah, so it's you know it's good that they've got a good environment for that. You know, Image used to be that way with creator owned work, and they had just gotten, you know, they they had a good business practice. Uh, Designed toward supporting independent creators, like an image. Mm-hmm. I'm sure IDW has the same. Like the you same know, like they've aspect, got a very yeah. strong culture of working with the license owner in order to produce something that the license owner is, you know, happy with and proud of. Instead of like, hey, let's make the Transformers super edgy because that's what we think is interesting. It's like, okay, like yeah, maybe it would be, yeah. but you know what? Hasbro, you know, is looking for is for fun adventures for kids that are going to keep that property alive. And I think IDW does, you know, is more than happy to, to do that. Yeah. Um, so I think it's probably, probably why they've been so successful for, you know, with all these adaptions and continuing to gain, uh, like licensing footholds like that. All right, then. Um, I would say that's, we'll do it for today. I want to say thank you, Armando, for coming on and, you know, 
coming on the show again. You know, we'll have you come back in the next future episodes. All right. No, it's always great to be here. All right. And um, everybody, that's it for today. Talking pop. Like I said, you can go back. On Podbean and Spotify, you want to listen to the pretty much the past episodes. Right now, like I said, it's episode 20. If you have any questions for myself, like if you want me to discuss on a future episode of Talking Pop with the Franchise of Miko, um, you can follow me on Twitter at TheFranchise85. Um, I do have a Facebook page, which is Facebook.com slash TheFranchise Network. You post questions, you know, topic ideas that you want to hear my opinion, you want to hear Biko's opinion when he finally comes back. Um, like I said... Make sure you subscribe to this podcast. Like I said, this is independently run. I'm not sponsored by anybody, but I do like to give credit to different sources out there, you know, like Netflix, Hulu. I like to, you know, pretty much cite sources. You know, I'm not going to plagiarize anybody. But like I said, once again, thank you for listening. Geek on and take care.